You guys ready? All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Cool. And welcome back, everyone, to episode 15 of season five of the Shop Store Podcast. And this is the final episode of season five of the Shop yep. Store Podcast. We've, uh, we made it to the end of another one. We're, I think we're actually a little, we're a little bit later this time, aren't we? Because we normally close up shop a bit earlier. Yeah, I think we did about a month longer this year. Yeah. I don't know how many episodes that translated to versus <laughs> season four, but yeah, it's felt uh, it's felt like a big one this year. I think as well with wood dust on top of everything, but we'll go through mm. that. So it's a bit of a, a year in review episode and, and what's coming yeah. up. Well, how cool, I was just going to butt in and say how cool it was talking to Patrick last week. Um, what a brilliant guy, huh? Yeah. That guy, yeah, what a... It was great to have someone who, one, just wanted to talk to us and we could just go and get a cup of tea while he was rambling on. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he rambled on some, some awesome, awesome stuff. They were, they were great ramblings, yeah. 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 It's, um, I, we've been so lucky with all the guests this season. So Should we do a wee name drop? Let me go through them. Patrick, uh, last week, Jess Humpson, Phil yes, Morley, yeah. April Wilkerson, Patrick Holcomb, Matt Esley, Jimmy DeResta. Like, this is insane. That's a crazy. Yeah, you're right. We've had some some real big big superstars. Yeah. Did I miss any? Or is that? I think that's everyone, right? A- yeah. Did you say April as well? Yeah, I said April. Yeah. But that is just, like if you had yeah. told me this time last year that we were going <laughs> to get to interview those people, and not only that, but we were going to actually all finally meet as a trio. Yeah. And oh, present cool. and present a show together. I. Mm. It's uh, it's been a whirlwind year. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild when you when you frame it like that. Yeah, hopefully 2024 is going to be even even bigger. Yeah, I think it's been it's been really good. It's been really good, like still having a core of Australian and Kiwi guests because that's our kind of forte. But also mixing it with like the real cream of international makers. So I think we'd like yeah. to continue that next year. We don't want to just go all international and have the issue of time yeah. zones and all that kind of stuff. But um, just going the mix was really cool. But but it also shows a, a nice or a a, a, a good trajectory or, or progression, if you will, because anytime you you start these sort of projects like the podcast, you start locally and you and you build out. And I feel like we've we've taken we spent a long time doing this very small, very locally, and so it feels like we've branched out into that international scene at the appropriate time. We're at, we're at a big enough level now that we can hold our own and be confident and interview people like Jimmy um, yeah. without it feeling like there's a, there's a, uh, not, not, not a big power difference, but there's, you know, there's one person who's miles ahead of the other person. And then you end up with this, this weird, this conversation, which just feels forced. We're now at a level yeah. where we can, we can control that conversation. I would say one of the, one of the main aspects to that is that we've done it without sponsorship as well. Like we haven't, mm. there hasn't been the obligation of interview this person because they use these tools. So that's been really good. Mm. Talking about sponsorship, one of the things I did have in my notes today, and I really want to start off with this. Are we getting, are we, just are, are we getting a sponsor? We're going to get some, get some manscaped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Donations. I just wanted to start off this episode just to say a very big thank you to everyone who is still 
uh, donating to the show. You know, we've got some regulars that come in. It's it's massive for us. It's 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 really awesome. It, you know, we we're talking about wood dust. It helped us uh, get yeah. to and through wood dust. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I just want to start off by saying a very big thank you to everyone who's donating to the show. Yeah, like we say, we don't really do it for the money, but when when it just shows that people are keen for us to continue, it just it'll pay for you know a microphone or it'll pay for us to meet up and go for a beer. Like it's been yeah. it's been really cool and it, yeah, mm-hmm. thanks to everyone for the support. So. The link is in our uh, Instagram page. If you click on the bio, there's zero obligation to do it. Nothing will be behind a paywall. There is no Patreon. Like, you don't have to do a reoccurring payment. If you want to give us $3 for a coffee, you can give us $3 for a coffee. But $3 yeah. doesn't buy you a coffee at Melbourne anymore. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not the time you want to drink anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Melbourne, Brian, next time I come and visit you, are you going to be in Melbourne? Yeah. Well, that's a very interesting thing because we might have sold our house last week. You might have? Yeah. We d- yeah, we did. Yeah. Well, no you way. did? Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. It settled uh, just before the auction. Uh, we oh, really? Pri- we had a private offer. The auction was going to be the day before my daughter's first birthday, and it was stress city. Um <laughs> There'd been interest in the house, but not, like, overwhelming. We had two people. One person kind of hit a limit, and the other the other woman bought it, and it was, a, it was a good offer, so it enables us to go and find a property somewhere that we actually want to live in rather than a knockdown. Yeah, yeah awesome. So, out, of, out of interest, why an auction? Was that the realtor's advice? I, think, I don't know. Like, I'm no real estate expert, but then again, I don't think real estate agents are either. Um <laughs> I don't know. They just they always want to drum up, you know, one person versus another person. I still think mm. you can do that. If you're a salesperson, you can do that as a private sale without uh, having to dip anything uh, into anything illegal. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Auctions are a bit strange with, with houses because it's all predicated on the, the idea that someone's going to try and one-up the next person and, and you get more and more money. And I because and I, I've been through, we've sold four or five houses and um i've been i've done auctions a couple of times and i've at one of them we just my wife and i just wanted it was a tiny little flat we had when we were just young and we just wanted what it was worth we just wanted to put it on the market and then they've kind of finagled us into doing a an auction and it just turned into this crazy bidding war and we got a lot more for it than we wanted but i didn't even I didn't want the people to spend that much on it, and I was kind of disappointed that they were forced to spend what they did where it wasn't actually worth it. So, yep, it's a good old yeah. property bubble, but we're yeah. sort of fortunate yeah. that global housing crisis. Yeah. Oh man, now that we're looking uh, sort of semi regional in the fringe around Melbourne, most of the sales are private sales, so there's mm. no kind of mm. no op- open homes, no sort of it's like private inspections, private offers. So you can sort of, yeah. it feels a bit less rushed. And then, yes. you know, well, I know that we're rushing because the clock is ticking on a 90-day settlement. But, um, yeah, it feels a, a little bit less silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this house that, that I'm in now was a private sale. It was the first one I've done. Um, so, you know, we bought it as a private sale. I'll go private any day of the week yeah. now. Because your, your solicitor or whoever it is, does all the legal stuff. Why yeah. even, you know, and you've got websites to do your advertising. Yeah. Why would you even need that, that agent? Yeah, to pay for yeah. the auctioneer. Particularly and all that. as a buyer. 
there's, there's so, definitely pros and cons from my, my point of view, but yes, I think it's, it can be certainly if you're selling, you can certainly save yourself a bunch of money if you go private. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, we've been looking at a ton of places. Um, I mean, God, I've covered it so many times in the podcast, but it's actually happening now. Um, so we've been looking in the Dandenongs. Um, I don't know if you, do you guys know the Dandenongs? Sort of southeast of Melbourne. Beautiful. Like, it, parts of it look very, very kiwi forest, you know, big, mm-hmm. massive ferns and pungas and all that kind of stuff. But then you have these huge, like, 80-meter-high Vic Ash trees right. and, mountain, and mountain ash that they won't backburn the mountain ash. So the fire risk is just yeah, right. through the roof, uh, which yeah. I don't know whether it's just me as somebody that wasn't brought up around it. Um, and somebody that sort of went through a few near calls, like Lani nearly got caught up in Black Saturday. She drove through it, which were the really bad ones in 20, uh, 2008, I think it was. And yep. then uh, my brother-in-law nearly got caught in the ones in New South Wales and Victoria in 2019, 2020. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's just always been at the back of my mind. And I know you can't escape it with regional Australia, like everywhere burns even like tassie burns queensland burns um but it's just about finding a place where i feel safe where i know that there's access in and access out whereas Mm. some of the some of the place like up in the dandenongs there it's very very narrow there's a lot of one-way roads like the cfa the the fire brigade won't go down some of them if you're down there and your house (laughs) on fire your house is gone but it doesn't really matter because if i see a 40 degree fire day forecast i am gone i am getting a hotel in melbourne i am out of there so fast um i'm not one of the stand defend your home people but i would just love a property where i'm not constantly nervous about it so we're sort of looking uh, north and west a bit more now so kind of getting up towards where uh jam and like butter are but not quite that far north so sort of around macedon and then around ballarat um cool so there's some some pretty cool places there, and and the land's a bit flatter, which obviously makes the workshop opportunities a bit better. Yeah, um, I was going to ask, are you looking for a home workshop? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> as much as I'd love to build one, it's the fact that I then would have to lease somewhere there for like six months to work out of, or I just yeah. put my stuff in storage and find another job for six months, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm out of pocket sixty grand, eighty grand, whatever it is. Um, and at the mercy of trades and trying to find builders to put down slabs and erect the shed. So there's things like that. And then the depreciation of it. Do I want something that's brand new or do I want a shed where, you know, somebody else has paid for it and I can make changes to it if I want. I can extend it. I can, mm. you know, put in some extra skylights. Um, and it's not me paying the upfront cost and dealing with the delays of it. But a lot of them there kind of have... 80 to 120 square meter workshops on them. Um, The neighbors are sort of, the block sizes are bigger. So you're kind of getting up to, well, the starting point is sort of two and a half thousand square meters for a block size. Um, Getting right up to like 30, 40 acres. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So ideally, I wouldn't quite want 30 or 40 acres to look after. Um, Yeah. And fire manage as well. But, I kind of like the idea there. You're a bit further away from neighbors, um, yeah, and all those complications. Your your mm. nearest neighbor, Joey, is how far? 
Um, hundred and fifty meters. Yeah. Probably. So I know I know some wow. councils in Victoria, hundred and fifty is the threshold where you right. don't need to get a a building permit or planning a planning permit for a woodworking business. Okay. But it just varies council by council. So sorry, right. say say that again. I'm I'm missed that. A hundred and fifty meters is the threshold. Once you're there or, or over, you don't need a planning permit to operate a woodworking business because it's not going to be the sound isn't going to be impacting on the neighbors. Is that specifically woodworking because of the noise? Yeah, yeah. Right. Like there's that's a list of things, uh, body work shops and all that kind of right. stuff. Anything that's loud. Um, but like I said, it just varies council by council. So I'm trying to sniff out which councils are the most uh, open mm. to to having it. The fact that there's bigger sheds and bigger blocks west and north of Melbourne, I think it will be a lot easier. Um, and there's a pretty cool little creative scene happening there as a result of that. Like around Ballarat, there's some cool things. Um, and then obviously around Castle Main, um, there's been a lot of makers moved to there. But it's just kind of it's all it's all fed from the fact that commercial real estate in the city is just starting to get unaffordable. Yeah, um, that, I think that's during, far from Melbourne. That's a I mean that's not it's a in, what, it, Ballarat's hour? an hour and hour and twenty hour and thirty. Mm. Yeah, right. So it's still doable. Like it's not like I'm moving to Tassie and having to ship furniture back to the mainland. Like it's still stuff that but I would I would hand deliver it to to Melbourne and I would sort of just mm. have to be more organized my, with my time, you know, if I'm going to deliver That's a piece of I furniture. Am. Yeah, That's deliver a piece of furniture and then and then collect the lumber for the next job um, yeah. and bring That's it home. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I will, if I don't do that, I will um, <clears throat> kind of uh, group all my orders as best I can into like one big trip and I'll, I'll just go and buy like shit tons of stuff for yeah. three or four different jobs and yep. spend all day in the city and drive back with a loaded up van yep. and that's me sorted for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just going to require a bit of, I don't know, a little bit of adapting, but um, at the same time, like uh, I'm quite excited by the idea of getting out. Um, like I've lived in Melbourne yeah. now for oh, nearly 20 years, 18, 18 years. And I love the city um, and I love living in the kind of inner city uh, but the idea of living in outer suburbia to me is just, it's not what I want for me. It's not what I want for my family. Yeah. Um, and being on the fringe, like being able to live in the bush, but close to a little village. And then, you know, we're talking like a 10 or 15 minute drive to the center of Ballarat, like a a town. Do they call it a city? They call it a city. Um, a city of 100,000, 150,000 people with a 10-minute drive away actually puts me closer to a lot of infrastructure than I am mm-hmm. in Melbourne. Mm. Like, how far can I get in a 10-minute drive in Melbourne? <laughs> Fuck all. Yeah. Like a, yeah, right. a few, <laughs> few kilometres sometimes. So, right, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting. And then Lanny's going to try to work remotely most of the week and, uh, and maybe commute once or twice a week on the train. Cool. So, yeah, it's been a fucking... It's been hectic. We've had a one-year-old's birthday... Uh, Lanny turned 40, so happy birthday, Lanny. Uh, mm. The house settled, and we had a new niece born in six days. Fun times. Yeah, fun, <laughs> wow. fun times. 
Um, and, and what's happening with your workshop now? Well, I'm still here. Like, I'll give them notice probably in the next month or so. Um, yeah. Like, they're definitely looking to move to the next stage, i.e. Put, put another cafe in here. Um, mm. All the landscaping works are all finished. Actually looks quite good, um, except for the timber benches. Like, if only they knew someone on site that I could know. make... Like, if only, if only there was somebody here that they could have just called and said, you know, well, we'll give you a discount on rent that month and, you know, you yeah. make some nice timber bench. If only. But... If only. Know, if only. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it feels like they're moving to the next stage, and that's fine, you know. My... The thing that I never wanted with my business was to... Um, I didn't want to work in a tilt-up concrete um, box. Like, I find that I get inspiration from the places that I work in and whether that's the actual physical structure or the environment that I work in. But, yeah, being in a tilt-up... And I know I know lots of people do it because they have to do it, but I'm kind of open to the idea of change. Yeah. Um, and if I'm out in the countryside and I can open my doors and look out to nature and still hear birds. Oh, man. Even if, it's, even if it's just another tin shed, I'll, I'll be a happy man. I can, I can see you in this, like, beat-up old wooden shed. Oh, it's falling oh, apart. It's leaking it. in big rains. <laughs> yep. Yes, please. Doors open. Massive two-meter-high grass as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Yep. That would be, be a way to work. I agree, but, you know... Something just happened at my place just uh, two nights ago. Oh, no. That I was like, well, I'm glad I just have a steel box workshop and there's only one way to get in. Uh, I've got some security stuff and we caught some some people prowling about. Seriously? Right. Um, yeah. And we're in the middle of nowhere. And um, so there's been a little bit of weird things happening around the community. and And so... I've taken some extra measures, but, you know, if my workshop was an old rundown thing with windows around the back or something, you yeah. could mm. gain access very easily. I'd say realistically I, I, will be in, I will be in a tin shed. As much as I love the dream of an old wooden barn, I think a tin shed is like, it's the reality. But, yeah, I might have to wire something up like a Home Alone style trap, you know, people dancing in the... Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. You know, you go over it. You go over a trip line, and you hear my voice go, "Get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, were they in and around the workshop, or just on the property? Uh, yeah, both. All right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And did 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 someone scare them off, or did they just no? Uh, my themselves? camera wasn't set up correctly at the time, but I caught a glimpse. And then, um, so I've now changed a bunch of things and added some stuff and changed the settings on my camera so we can get better footage. Um, yeah. And so I should be alerted more readily next time anything happens. Um, I've just yes. turned all of my my cameras, because I've got cameras around my property, I've just turned all of mine off at night now so they can record during, you know, they'll record, but they won't actually alert me. Right. Because... Otherwise, you just spend your life being woken up by trees blowing <laughs> yeah, and right. this and that. Possums, And then yes. the one time when it does actually happen, and this was just before we went to Tassie, we had cops into our yard, come through our, our 
front gates, wandering around the yard looking for someone, and then leave. And I was oblivious, completely <laughs> oblivious. I woke up to all these notifications on my phone, and there were four cops swarming around my yard. And I slept oh through the whole God. thing. Ah, uh, Townsville, hey? Yeah. Um, uh, how's the, the staircase going, Joe? Are you yeah, uh, That is is progressing slowly. I've actually, the lady's coming to see me next week after quite a long hiatus of not much communication because everyone's just waiting for things to happen. Um, but it looks like it's, it's going ahead, which is remarkable and I'm kind of shitting myself. And um, sh- so, yeah, it's going to be interesting because the hand the stairs themselves i don't think are going to be too difficult coming up but the handrail is going to be very different and not it's it's going to be so classic but it's so hard to pull it off and fall inside of a classic look and fall inside of modern um, safety rules that um i'm yeah, it's going to be tricky. We got when you say, just, when you say classic, you mean the profile of it, like yeah, like a classic steel kind of uh, spindles with like twists on them and and right, like okay. a nice steel, but then a wooden hand cap to it, which is going to be twisted up around the stairs, and then like yeah. how do they integrate? How does it like not fall over? And who's going to say it's strong enough to please yeah. the council? And um, how are we actually going to do it? We had one quote for the the steel part of the the handrail. Fifty thousand was just for the, oh. just for the balustrades, and that that is more than the stairs cost. So um, the lady's like, I'm not sure we're going to just have to throw it out the window, or whatever. So we've we've kind of gone back to other ideas, and yeah, it's, so it's very. Everybody who sees the drawings goes, wow, beautiful drawings, beautiful design. I don't want to even put a price on it. I'll just do whatever I have to do, charge up. And mm. so it's like mm. very difficult for the client. Um, mm. What a world to live in where you look at a, a staircase and you think, I'm going to make this opulent piece of art. Yeah, 50 grand is probably a bit too much. Let's try something else. Man, we're like, we're, I don't know about you guys, but if the stairs go up and the stairs go down, the stairs are good for, for <laughs> us. <laughs> That's kind of where I fall on it, but um, ah, it's just so a, yeah. It's, it's just a different. Yeah, it's, it's a different way of looking at art and life, isn't it? The ornament. Yes. Yeah, and and as we've said, we're all we're all. I think we've said this before. We're woodworkers. We're not necessarily purchasers of uh, 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 buyers of furniture. That's right. <laughs> even though we're we're woodworkers, yeah, we mm-hmm. wouldn't buy the type of furniture that we make. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I was actually thinking about a conversation with Patrick last podcast and his description of really what came across to me was that he is an artist and what he wanted was a very specific kind of furniture art, essentially, I think is what I would call what he makes. And it's very thought out and very specific and kind of perfect. And I was thinking, I don't fall into that category. I don't think... If that's what a furniture maker is, which I, pr- I believe he is, I don't think that's what I am. Um, I think I would fall under just, I think t- the term maker of things is probably more appropriate for what I do. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I, at first I was kind of disappointed and a bit depressed that I was like, oh, I'm not, because furniture maker to me is like the grand, that seems like such a, a great um, title, I suppose. 
Um, and to admit that maybe that's not where my strengths lie was a little bit depressing, but actually I think I'm much happier acknowledging that that, that's not really where my strengths lie, though I can make those things. I I prefer to have lots of different weird things going on, and I think that um, I'm more of a a purveyor of things that can't be found elsewhere, Um, Mm. and I, I think that I'm happy with that. Uh, seems mm-hmm. to pay the bills, so yeah. Carry on. <laughs> can't, can't argue with that. I, I, don't, I think it's the way different people are wired. You know, some people like mm. like chair makers. Like Byrne loves making mm. chairs and will make chairs for the rest of his life. Um, mm. But yeah, I know what you mean. Art versus not even practicality, but um, yeah, I don't know. Making pieces to be used as opposed to being looked at. And mm. I, I would probably see myself as falling somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Like I like to, I like to incorporate sort of bits of storage and bits of personality of the clients into the pieces and how they use it, how like they individually use it that another person might not. But at the same time, I want them to be like aesthetically pieces of art. Awful. Uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. right. yeah. When I was in Tassie um, last year, we we seemed to be doing a lot of episodes where it was very it was very design. I, I don't want to say right. woo woo, but it was there was a lot of that involved, you know. So I went out and I bought myself this book. So oh, yeah? this is a design book. It's all design over the last twentieth century, and I thought I'm going to influence myself by reading up about designs <laughs> and how they've you know, evolved over the, the, the century. And then I think I got about 20 pages in and I just thought, this is boring as batshit. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, some of it's fascinating, but on what you're saying, Joey, that's not me. That's, mm. um, that's me trying to be... Something else. Like, like Patrick, but yeah. that's just, yeah. Maybe, maybe one day down the line you'll get there, yeah. but for now, yes, I'm way too practical for that um, IT yeah. conceptual side. It's an interesting thing, though, like trying to school yourself in the history of design and whether the history of design is relevant. I, I personally think it is, but again, that's just mm. the schooling that I had. But um, maybe it would be more worthwhile rather than looking at images of things that were made in the 1920s and 30s that don't necessarily inspire you. Maybe um, I'm sure I've spoken about it in the podcast before, but one of the only books that I took away from architecture school that I brought back again when when I started tutoring architecture was 101 Things I Learned in Design School or Architecture School, I think it was called. I'll get the name of it, actually. And that teaches you design ideas rather than necessarily... This is a chair that was designed in 1923 by this random German bloke that you can't pronounce. (laughs) And it was that whole school of... I did an article on it and would review as well, but it's like an approach to design where if you want to make something tall, make it really, really tall. If you want to make repetition in the piece to sort of draw a person's eye across it, put lots of repetition in it. Don't do it three times, do it 25 times. Things like that mm. where it's design ideas rather than design history. Because I know what you mean. Mm. It, can, it, mm. can be a, it can be a little dry and it won't get you thinking. You'll be looking at this chair going, well, I, I can't make that. I haven't got access to bending machine to bend steel with whereas if it's like if it's a one-line phrase that then sparks your own thinking rather than giving you a visual cue of this is what a chair should look like 
I don't know. Yeah, and that's that's what this book was. I was intending was for that inspiration, and it's 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 obviously not to take anything away from that that yeah. history of design because of course it is it is it is relevant and it is valuable, but it, it didn't have the profound effect yep. that I wanted it. <laughs> it right. didn't. Yeah, it didn't move me in that direction. So yeah, maybe what you're talking about, okay, Brian. I've, is, I've got it. It's called It's called 101 Things I Learned in Architecture School by Matthew Frederick, and it's like 25 bucks on online wherever you want to buy it. I'm not telling you to buy I it from have a look Jeff. At it. Don't buy it from Jeff mm. Bezos. Buy it from someone else. Um. But yeah, it's a really good book. Just little small sketches and one word or one one line phrases and things. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, next year I am hoping to have myself a new office downstairs in the workshop. So that's one of my, my projects for next year is to make a little 2.7 by 1,200 box in my workshop. Nice and just wide enough for a desk. Yeah. And... Uh, It'll be nice to have a bit of a library of of some yeah. some books in there. I'm you guys, so excited about this project. Oh, about your little, little office. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, Sorry, you, you were gonna you were gonna say, Joe? Well, I was just gonna cut back to what we were just talking about before because I I wanted to talk to you guys about this. Do you often have to get maybe not Robin Brian? Do you have, often often have to get quotes in from like metal workers or something that? stuff you can't do do you get sometimes have to get stuff made for pieces just to so you can finish or quote a job uh if it's if it's like i mean i i weld but i weld slowly so if it's like if it's one table frame i can weld one table frame you know and i can do it relatively efficiently but the say if i'm say i'm 30 percent slower than getting a professional welder who's trained in it to do it fine to do it for that one job the second that you do 10 15 yeah. is putting me way back, so then I'll outsource for that. But in terms of quoting stuff, um, I'm trying to think of things that... If it, like, I don't have a laser etcher, so if I need laser etching rather than CNC engraving that I can do on the shaper, I have to get a quote for that. So I've got good old uh, Nick, the boat builder, does that for me. Um, CNC stuff, if it's if it's 3D carving, then I'll use like butter. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's generally stuff that I've built up a network for. I can always yeah. kind of quote a ballpark for it. Yeah. And, you know, I'd always well, quote the high end of the ballpark to the client and then say, if you want to proceed, I'll get an accurate quote. So this brings me to my point, is that I could have the same thing as you. I've got a network of people I've used over the years. Sometimes I go out of to some random new company because I need a specific thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, that staircase... I was kind of saying to the client, you know, oh, and I've noticed this over the last year, I could in the past ballpark a price for somebody and then say, okay, we, then we'll get a quote on it. I was ballparking, ballparking like 15000 for that staircase yeah. to be welded up and it comes back at fifty, And I was just like, holy shit, this yeah. is ridiculous. I just had a client contact me recently. I'm doing some other work for them. They they wanted a set of um, industrial-style steel-framed um, French doors going between two rooms, like a media room and a lounge room. So really simple, only about two meters wide, like four panes of, like four glass lights, and two of them open up, right? All right. The quote comes back at $28,000. Whoa! 
And and this kind of thing just seems to be happening more and more where stuff, the, the cost of things, I don't know where it's coming from, but the cost of things seems to be just getting horrendous. Like, But it probably starts at the start. Like the reason why there are fewer makers in cities anymore is because commercial rents. So if commercial rents go up and people are staying working with higher material costs, higher overheads, higher bills, like it, it's just... I mean, I hate the phrase, but it's just cost of living crisis. The the long and short of that is the client comes to me and says, look, this is the the price. And I'm like, that really sounds outrageous. And I price it up and I can do it for about 10 um, out of timber. And it's like, why? I don't understand. Like, it just seems really weird. I I don't trust my ballpark figures anymore. I'm kind of double-checking everything I... Everything I've always thought now because everything has just gone pretty crazy. Do you think there's a lot of people pricing on the I don't want that job? Maybe, yeah. And if they quote like that on five jobs and land one of them that they're getting 20%, 30% more than than they would have done otherwise? I've never understood that philosophy because when you get that one out of five that says yes and because you didn't want it, you didn't really think through if you can actually do it. Yeah. And then someone yeah. says, and then someone says, you know, I'll take you on. And then they're like, oh shit. And they just get a crappy kind of facsimile of what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I know I've been looking at bandsaw blades because my, my bandsaw takes a very specific um, length. It's uh, uh, 30, 80 millimeters which you don't can't find very many of so i've always bought them through Carbotech, and the last time i bought this blade i think it was 40 dollars, and i went on yesterday and it was 71 dollars. right you know that's over two three years it's almost doubled in in price uh, i was just yeah. gonna say because i was gonna say where do you get your blades sharpened but then again you don't have a saw a table saw to get anything sharpened yeah um most any place that is going to sharpen your saw saw blades will have they'll make bandsaw blades for you, and they'll be oh, like right, okay. thirty bucks each. I, I, every time I get mine, they're all custom made. I get I get all different thicknesses and TPIs and different for whatever I'm doing, and it's mm. like thirty five dollars for a bandsaw blade, brand new, cut to length. Uh, it shouldn't be anything like seventy. I might so. look into that because the the and. This is not a reflection on Carbotech when I say this, but I'm generally un, unimpressed with the bandsaw blades that I get from them. Um, yeah. The weld just seems to be shocking. Yeah, I think it's you one of those just, things you, you've got to remember that they're, they're not producing the bandsaw blades, so no. they're buying, yeah, yeah, exactly. adding a margin on top. I would recommend um, Henry Brothers in Sydney. Henry Brothers, all right. Yeah, they've always been been pretty good. Um, good high quality and deliver um, deliver fast your bandsaw blades should be kind of dime a dozen because you go through them like whenever I buy them I buy like five or six at a time because they never I typically allow if I've got to do a lot of bandsawing it's one per job because they're two per job they're going to they're going to break or get blunt and there's no point trying to cut with a blunt tool just put a new blade on it they're not that expensive it's a bit like changing yeah. sandpaper on your orbital sander. You just do it regularly, and you can and you can work faster. I go with the 
I get the 19 or 20 mil blade. So it's yeah. a fairly big boy for the saw. And I, I find, I mean, I can, that guy, admittedly, I'm not doing as much as you guys, but that saw will last me six months, or that blade yeah. will last me six months. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I, I have blades that thick too, but you definitely need something smaller for doing actually anything with a curve because yeah. you can't really yeah. get much of a radius on that. But yeah. No. I have literally yeah. changed my bandsaw blade about, uh, changed the type of bandsaw blade that I've used. Probably three times in ten years. Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> I just I just don't use it to do compound cuts, like yeah. or not compound cuts. I don't use it to do curved cuts. I'll just keep the resaw blade on it, make sure it's set up ninety degrees, nice yep. big thick exactly gullets on it, and boom, done. Yeah. But yeah, yeah when you start to get strikers. into like the bimetal carbide teeth and things, that they they are expensive. So you yeah, probably it's probably worth resharpening them maybe once in their life before the carbide gets down too much. But yeah, with with cheaper blades, like Joey says, they are definitely disposable. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But, and what's happening, with, what's happening with the market? What's happening with the market? Yeah, yeah. So um, I've got, uh, what's today? The third. So I've got 21 days, so three weeks. Right. I am, I'm happy with where I'm at with my stock. So I've got, I think I've got about, Eight serving boards, and then a whole bunch of other stuff as well. I, I'm I'm hopefully going to get a couple more in in the next few weeks, but I've had I've had client work over the last oh, right. three weeks, which has nice. been awesome. It's timing is terrible, but yeah. the, the fact <laughs> that I'm getting it in is is pretty cool. And they are there's a, a woodworker here, a Crackerjack Crackerjacks Woodworks, I think it is. And I've never met the guy before, but he's just any jobs that he doesn't want, he's just sending my way. Nice. So I've had two bits of work, small projects, but you know, it's a it's a it's an appropriate place to start for me, especially with my current full time job. So I've had that on the go. I've got this this market coming up. Um, there was a an advertising campaign run by Bosch recently. I don't know mm. if you guys may have seen it on Instagram. It's uh, like you you try one of their tools and then you get to keep it. And it's the, right. this new range of tools. So I applied for that and got accepted. <clears throat> and so I've had to do some video work for these. But the timing of that has just been perfect because essentially there's two tools that I applied for. The first one is a big rotary hammer drill. Right. Um, this thing is an absolute beast. It's battery powered. It's... Um, uh, Brian, I don't know if you are aware of the different chuck sizes, but this is STS Max, which I've never used before. I've used the STS Plus, which is a bit smaller. This thing is just ridiculous. Why it's do you need such machine. a gigantic drill? <laughs> you can okay, watch so this video next, to find out why. <laughs> so next year, I've been well. I've now been searching for jackhammer hire and if, see if there's anything on marketplace because I need to get rid of some concrete next year. Right. Everything's taken care of. I now have yeah. my amazing tool to to pull up the concrete now that they're, they're sending me another tool they haven't told me what it is but i'm hoping it's the tool that i've chosen which is a miter saw compound oh, sliding miter saw yeah. because again i don't have one in the shop so it's it's going to be it's going to be such a, a blessing to get that you know we've talked about in the past taking on uh, uh spon- or you know sponsored work yeah it's, it's always a bit scary because you turn people off immediately as soon as you say to someone I'm, I'm working for a big corporation, you're immediately a shill. Yeah. But I feel like this is one of those 
circumstances where I'm going, you know what? This is this is perfect. I'm going to I'm going to take this and I'm going to do my best with it because this is exactly what I need right now. Yeah, awesome. We've got a lights lights and sirens in the background. <laughs> it's an ambulance. Um, at least they let you take the tool and sort of say what you wanted about it like it wasn't here's a script to read it. That's okay. It's a, I think Bosch did something similar a few years ago. Uh, Bosch okay. or Hikoki, I don't know, they reached out to a whole load of makers around Australia and just gave them a tool. You didn't even have to really produce a video or anything. It was like mm. they just wanted the tool seen in your workshop. And that's, yeah. I mean, it's clever marketing. Because yeah. going back to the Jimmy DeResta conversation that we had, like we all have drills and things lying around. You're providing free advertising for them. You know, if you're, yep. you're buying it, maybe paint, maybe paint it white. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the reasons why I think I was potentially successful with my application is because I said in the application that this tool will be in my workshop going forward. So this, you know, it will get a lot more coverage just because it's in my workshop. Yep. Yep. And that, that may have played into it. But it's also, I've, I've been enjoying this because this is, this is, is, is the direction that I want to go with my time. Obviously, I want to be a, a furniture maker like what you guys are doing. But more than that, I want to move towards being a, I'm not going to use the, the, the I word. Oh, don't say it. No Do one, not say no it. One, no one wants to be that. But a, a public figure would be a, a, a better right. one where I am very advertise. I want to be very advertiser friendly. So people come to me and say, we want to advertise on your on your. Um, socials yep. so working with with Bosch on this it's been a lot more contractual than all the other stuff that I've done right. you know all the work I've done with Timicon this has been you can do this if you don't do this you need to send us the tool back because then you've failed right. to to meet the, the the agreement so yeah it's it's been it's been a lot of fun um but uh, yeah very very busy with that with in the back of my mind that market coming up and um, and next year you're going to be a little bit more time in the workshop, or is that unconfirmed? Unconfirmed at this stage, but okay. yeah, when we it's ninety percent confirmed at this okay. stage. I can't I can't say much more than that for obvious yeah. reasons. Probably not a probably not a big deal, but for obvious reasons. But yeah. we can we can leave on a cliffhanger. Beginning of next season, this might be a very different landscape for me. Yeah. Yep. I'll awesome. be in a different city. You'll be in a different... What about you, Joey? What's happening? Uh, well, you know, it's gone from famine to feast for me, so I'm kind of looking at booking, being booked out through to April. So, Happy um, days. Oh, wow. Um, That's awesome. Busy, busy. Like, assuming a couple of these things come through, like the stairs and associated work, I'm busy as shit and... Actually, the phone hasn't stopped ringing this week, so um, it's really weird how it really was. After the election, boom, people started calling again. So um, yeah. I'm busy, and I'm just trying to plow through it and sort out my calendar. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to uh, being busy. I think I, I think I work better when I've got lots to do. Uh, it's, it's never great when you, you've got time to twiddle your thumbs, and, and that's when you start slowing everything slows down i think so um when you know you've got shit to get on with you just get it done and then you get paid and there you go yep so yeah i'm looking forward to the next year or so it's going to be interesting yeah we've talked about 
wood dust already. I don't. I haven't heard anything about whether there's going to be a 2024, but yeah, man, right. I hope there is. Yeah. I really hope there is. Yeah, that'd be a a good thing. Other other than that, at least even if there's just some kind of a, a, a an opportunity for a, a meetup, you know, it doesn't have to be wood dust. Maybe there'll be something else on the go that we can we can be a part of. I can I can host something at my new farm. Whoop! That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can take up we oh. can take up uh, Patrick's offer on the camping. We can all get together and have camp one. Right, we're, we're privately messaging about our new scheme, woodworkers in the woods, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. it. We'll work out ticketing and get back to you. <laughs> all right, let's leave it there. Um, yeah, again, thanks to everyone for for tuning in and listening, and and again, thank you very much to all the donations. We really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll. See you guys again next year. Anything else you guys want to... Oh, oh, actually, no. Sorry. Sorry. That's very unprofessional of me. We have, we did have one question come in. I put out oh, an oh, Instagram yeah. story yesterday to ask if anyone had a question. Um, Heinz Woodworking got back to me. I, I apologize, mate, that it's right at the end of the episode, but hopefully you stuck around <laughs> this long. He put out a question to say, is there a project that you've always wanted to build but haven't? For whatever reason, so is there a is there a project that you guys can think of that you've always wanted to do? Still, still a kayak for me. Uh, you know, I was it's always been a kayak or a bent strip canoe or something. Right. <laughs> still haven't done it. I've got a big river right in front of my workshop, and I've never done it. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe when I get a home workshop. And um, have evenings where I can do a little bit more stuff mm. in the shop. Maybe I'll I'll set that as a project for next year. Yeah, just have a, a spot in the corner where it lives yeah. while you're working. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. For for me, it's it's actually it's a it's a workbench, a proper workbench. I know mm-hmm. Brian, you've talked about that not being part of your workshop, and mm-hmm. I think for me, it would probably be wasted on me because I'm not big hand tools. I don't really need the bench to be flat but it's it's something that i've always wanted to build you know a real beefy chunky not from uh pine two by fours that i've milled down and and glued up to make it look like it's a a fancy bit from an actual timber species that i've that i've pulled out you know something african mahogany for example here you know some a real nice timber and it's designed and specced and drawn up it's got vices already part of the design. Again, it will probably just be a beautiful showpiece in my workshop that I'll hardly get used, but I've always, <laughs> I've, I've got so many docu- like um, design ideas going back years, uh, uh, timber uh, uh, lists, um, cut lists right. of exactly what I need because I was a month away from going up the road to the, the woodworking studio to get the timber. I was so close and then something came in. That's something that I'll eventually do is a nice Rubo-style work, workbench. Interesting. Some, somebody's been watching Nick Padula's videos, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how's that thing, hey? Wow. Wow, Jesus wow, Jesus wow. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, you know, I've talked about this before. The way I kind of honed my skills and tr- tried to get myself into a headspace where I thought I could deserve the title of Furniture Maker was by just making all sorts of stuff that I had no business making. Um, rocking chairs, cabriolet legs, 
inlaid things doing veneer work when I had no business doing it. Um, and so I kind of, over the years, knocked off a bunch of my things I always wanted to try in under the guise of I need to do this to learn a new skill. And I don't know, there's nothing is popping into my head uh, straight away. There's something I have wanted to do. Uh, I want to make that happen. I haven't made yet. <clears throat> a lot of the things like I, I made my bath, I made a federal style desk, um, mm. the spiral staircase that I've done before and another one coming up. There's like lots of really challenging jobs that I've already taken on. Um, that's not to say something won't crop up in the future, but my main takeaway from all that is I learned, I learned so much making mistakes <clears throat> by trying all those crazy things that I'm, it makes me look forward to the, whatever the challenges uh, that the next client brings to me. So mm. that's, that's about my, my answer for that. That's a good answer. Very philosophical. And now I'd, I'd yeah. just like to wish everyone a, a good summer and a nice break over Christmas with friends and mm. family and yes. all that sort Absolutely. of stuff. And, we look back. Oh, yeah, Christmas is coming up, eh? It is, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And we look forward to coming back in the new year with some more fun guests. And you know, We really do yeah, buzz off the interviews with the guests. I mean, like Joey said, it means that we have to do less work, um, especially <laughs> when they can, they can bundle up. But just, you know, that ever-increasing network of people that we've got is, yeah. is a really nice thing, and especially introducing new makers to our listeners as well, like smaller makers is something that I get a big kick out of. Yeah. It's funny, I'm I'm off down to the Gold Coast next week for for work. And and I was thinking to myself, right, who do I know that might be in the Gold Coast <laughs> from all of our interviews? I, I don't think we have any Gold Coast um we haven't had any Gold Coast guests, but that's now the mindset is we've met so many people or, or spoken to so many people that, you know, if I go down to Sydney or Melbourne now just take your pick. Yep. Am I, go see? I reckon the Goldie is probably one of the only places in Australia where I don't know, like in major centres, that I don't know of any furniture makers. No. So mm. if there is one, if there is somebody from the Gold Coast listening out, reach reach out to Robin and show him the delightful strip of the Gold Coast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. All right, guys. Take it yeah, easy, boys. and we will. Catch up again next year. Goodbye. Yeah. See us. 2024. <laughs>